1: here we go welcome to the show glad to have you with us tonight Ivy nation sports talk up and running along with Jesse Stes I'm Sean Stes he's a little bit under the weather again tonight but toughing it out ready to go here this like scale of one to ten how's how's your overall feels right now
2: uh this morning I would say I was like I was I was doing pretty bad I was like nine out of ten I've I've recently come down to six out of ten. OK. Uh, yesterday, I, I was at like 10 out of 10, but I only worked half a day today and then took a long nap. So I feel a lot better. That helps. <laughs> I just that always helps. have like this kind of like pounding headache that won't go away. And then, you know, if I get a cough, it, it kind of gets amplified <laughs> than, than the normal cough. I've always had kind of brittle lungs. Yes. The very, um, very loud, raspy, rattly cough that Jesse. Right. Has. And so <laughs> I just. uh <laughs> The biggest thing is I just have this headache that's like I feel like I can't concentrate. It feels like someone's just like driving a truck into my head. So I got got a few things done this morning and then like I said took took a nice nap, ate a bowl of soup, all the all the good things. That might just be Derek beating on your head. You know, that that
1: might be what <laughs> that is.
2: <laughs> Something. Yes.
1: Well, I'm glad you're here tonight. Hopefully you can uh, tough it out and get through it. I know some people are expecting A little bit of whiteboard from you here in a little bit. So looking forward to that. Um, We've got some news coming up a little bit later in rapid fire that I think that Notre Dame fans are going to find interesting. I just saw it come out this afternoon. I'll just go ahead off the top and address the offensive line subject. No names that we can talk about mentioned specifically right now, but some little birdies have told me that some things are going on potentially here in town today so we'll just leave it at that and see where we're able to get with that over the next day or two hopefully hopefully we're able to talk about more in the very near future because that's the last position on the coaching staff of course that has to be filled and uh, it's uh, it's obviously an important one hit the like button if you would as you're coming in Tonight, we do appreciate it, and it does help out Irish Breakdown greatly. Subscribe, rate, review, leave us a five-star comment, all that stuff on your podcast platforms. Had some comments from Marcus Freeman yesterday, and today we're going to fully turn our attention to Notre Dame's new offensive coordinator, Jared Parker. And, uh, you know, we're going to hear some some audio from Jared Parker here in a minute, but Jesse, um, you know, you... Listen, you know you watched the press conference yesterday what's maybe your biggest impression of jared parker
2: yeah so i actually had yesterday off from work which was a blessing because i was sick and so i didn't have to take sick day yesterday so i just kind of laid around and then i realized that the the press conference was on and so i was like you know what i got nothing to do today i, I could just lay here and <laughs> listen to this for 45 minutes and, and that's what i did and i think the number one takeaway there's a couple takeaways that I, I think I want to kind of discuss when it comes to Jared Parker. The first and foremost is his ability to command a room. I thought that he's very well spoken. I thought that the way in which he presents himself and his vision and his plan, like this is something that he has envisioned for a long time. This is something that he's prepared for, for a long time. And I thought it spoke volumes when he said, you know, to paraphrase, you know what a shame it would be if Marcus Freeman called my number and I wasn't ready to step up to the plate. And I think right. that gives everything you need to know about Jared Parker in a nutshell. And you know, I'm not saying I know how it's going to go and what his offense is going to look like, but he knocked the the press conference out of the park, and I feel very confident about him in the first you know stage of getting to see him uh, discuss his offense.
1: Yeah. He did knock it out of the park. And, you know, as we were kind of saying yesterday, he definitely won the press conference. That's for sure. And, you know, that's that's, that's step one, I guess. Winning games now is, is the bigger step and step two. But I definitely agree with what you're saying. So we're going to hear a lot from uh, Jared Parker's press conference yesterday, and we will respond and react to it. He had a lot to say, and he came right out of the gate with his offensive philosophy now this is you know it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a longer answer but uh, I think it's a lot of stuff that need to be kind of outlined up front it's the kind of stuff that everyone is wanting to hear so here it is
3: as far as it goes with the offense I think that anything you talk about leadership's a very lonely role I've learned throughout my career and the first job I have is to to lead a group of men that are that are very very motivated to be great. And what that looks like is, is unfortunately, when you lead, you have to hold everybody accountable to the standards set forth from the head coach. And then for me in this offense, so holding staff and players accountable is one of the toughest things to transform too. I know early in my career that looked like really wanting to be a pleaser in some ways and make sure that everybody likes you. And certainly you want to treat people with respect that at the end of the day, they know that. But at the same time, we're doing them an injustice if we don't people hold people accountable to the standards of it. So this offense moving forward is a collaborative effort, but it certainly falls on my name first. As Coach Freeman said, um, we see us as our structure and the shell of this thing looking very familiar to a lot of things within the organization. By formation, by the way we line up, by the way we get things going in and out of the huddle, those things will look similar And to adjust and and grow is one of our golden standard things. And we'll do that. We'll find ways to make sure it fits what we do. But also, if there's ways we can enhance what we're doing and take a step in our passing game or our run phase or how we um, operate against um, highly loaded boxes in the run game, and all those things will come up. But I think the motivation moving forward will be what can our players do best? And how do we make the ball go forward and gain yards and score points? If the answer to that question is yes, with any scheme we broach, then we're going to do it. If the answer collaboratively is no or it's too much, then we'll dump it. We'll move forward, keep things simple as we can, and continue to let our guys make our plays work, which is going to be a big theme that I've shared already with the guys. We want our guys to take care of the football. We want them to have effort with physicality. They want them to play with great details and make our plays work. So sometimes we'll cut the amount of plays and more look at making our plays work against multiple fronts and coverages. So our guys are confident and play fast. So there's Jared Parker, and that's part of uh,
1: you know the, his his opening statements from his press conference yesterday. And, and again, there's a lot there. You know, he starts off leadership's a very lonely role. You know, hold everybody accountable. It's going to be a collaborative effort. All that kind of stuff. I think the things that stood out to me, what do our players do best? How do we make the ball go forward? Two very important things right there. And along with that, sometimes they'll eliminate play so the players can be more confident and play faster. What do you think of that, Jess?
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate
2: Yeah so the number that you kind of hit on the the things that stuck out to me as well and the first one was you know leader leadership is a lonely role and it, it has to hold everyone accountable and I think that's a great way to put it because you know when you're a leader and things aren't going right and you know things aren't going right you have to hold everyone accountable to to make the play work it doesn't work if you know 10 out of 11 guys are doing what they're supposed to be doing because that one guy is going to cause it and so you have to call you know hold everyone accountable in that regard even when you don't want to even when it makes things awkward it's only going to right. help going forward and i think that's what he was getting into about being uncomfortable with you know not being the nice guy essentially and and that's what being accountable holding people accountable is is you're going to get in those awkward situations where it is uncomfortable because you well, have to you know keep everyone accountable you have to tell them what they don't want to hear essentially
1: the higher you elevate you know up the the the, the food chain the more that hey you know, everybody's buddy kind of, it gets harder to be the good cop all the time, I guess. You know, there's there's got to be a bad cop sometimes, and typically that starts with the guy at the top. So, yeah, you can't just be everybody's friend, and you can't be a people pleaser. You know, obviously you want to please your head coach, but there's people beneath you that you have to hold accountable. You go from position coach to offensive coordinator, there is, there's a lot more responsibility that comes along with it for sure.
2: Yeah, and then the next thing that I thought uh, stuck out or stuck out stood out uh, <laughs> was the fact that he talked about you know coming uh, to me when he said you, you know we'll, we'll condense things in order to play fast into our ability, and that and that came down to you know the finer details. They're not going to be so much concerned with doing a lot of things well. They want to do a small things, a, a small group of things, really, really, really Early well. well. And that comes with knowing the smaller details and executing the finer details because one step can get you open or one step, you know, can can get you covered up. And so I thought that was another uh, good thing that he brought up. And to me, it sounded like they they would essentially come to the the, the line of scrimmage and have almost multiple kind of things ready for for based on what they see out of the defense in the box, essentially saying, okay, rather than this being, you know, over complex of I need to know this, this or this. They might know um, a, a smaller, broader group of things. And then determining on the look they get, they know that they need to execute this, which allows them to play faster. So I thought that was another uh, positive thing that kind of came out of his offensive yeah. philosophy.
1: Not not just having a bunch of plays to say you have a bunch of plays and having all these options. And it goes back to things that you know we've talked about with Vince and Brian and and you. It's like you don't always have to have the perfect play let your players if you you know especially when you have better athletes than the other team 90% of the time there are only a handful of games where the guys on the other side of the field should be at the same level or a little bit higher than Notre Dame and we all know which which games those are you know the rest of those games you don't you shouldn't have to have the perfect play called every time you should be able to line up at the line of scrimmage and just do what you're talking about make your check at the line of scrimmage you know whether it's RPO or whatever it happens to be, have a couple options to go with, and let the players go out there and make plays. I think that's really what it all comes down to. And like hearing him talk about letting the players play fast, I don't think that there has been enough of that lately. You know, like if there's a, a big knock on Tommy Reese, I, I you know I think that that is part of it that that there's been too much. The playbook has been too thick and the players haven't been able to play as fast as they can.
2: Yeah. And a a, a non thick playbook, I think is always a good thing. It just, it's a matter of doing like we were talking about doing what, you know, how to do best, getting your players open in space and finding ways in in their words to enhance what they can do uh, even better. And I think that that's what you're going to see is things are going to be trimmed down and it's only going to enhance what Notre Dame can do best, you know, depending on if that's a wide receiver, if that's a tight end or running back, they're only going to enhance things by simplifying, you know, what, what our guys can do best and how can they do that even better, essentially. Yes. All right.
1: I'll save this. We just got a super chat in here. I'll save that for just a second until after we play our next sound bite from Jared Parker, because, uh, you know, he got into – you know, a lot more detail as well about his offensive background. It is, it is a pretty diverse offensive background.
3: First job. We were pro style with coach Simpson, which was really good. Cause I was coaching a two back offense. Um, and then certainly to be able to flip the gears and go to Marshall for bill leg doc holiday was our head coach. We played spread and as fast as you could, we ran more plays than anybody in the country, led the country in passing played fast, 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 didn't run it much. Um, Came back to a west coast style offense when we were at Purdue, which helped me, and I coached tight ends there. That was a different, different realm. An 11 personnel RPO approach through Coach Ronnie, who's now at ODU at Penn State, um, and then a little bit of variations and mul- multiple things at West Virginia. So it's been good to be involved in all kinds of kinds, so to speak. I've been 10 personnel spread out, 11 personnel rocket and roll and go RPO. We've been in 12 pro style, and then what we've done here. So I hope that scope prepares us to be as multiple as we want to be here.
1: So, you know, again, you know, a, a very diverse background with people that he's worked with. And obviously a lot of coaches, you, you know, you you move around and, and you work for some different guys, you know, and that kind of thing. Um, very, again, very diverse, a lot to pull from. Is there any downside to that or is it all positive? What do you think?
2: In this situation, I believe it's all positive because Marcus Freeman talked about, you know, before Jared Parker came out there, wanting to run an offense that can do a multitude of things. He wants an offense that can speed you up and go fast. He wants an offense that can slow you down and, and hammer you, empower you when they need to, in order, you know, to to bleed out some of those long drives towards the end of game. So I think Marcus Freeman wanting to be able to accomplish different types of tempos and different kind of looks on offense only kind of bodes well to someone like Jared Parker because – Um, of the background that he was talking about. And I think there were a couple things that really stuck out. And I think he even tried to emphasize was when he first started that pro style two back offense. And I think that only was kind of uh, what's the word, like in um, looking, you know, to the future in, in what Notre Dame does well, they have two backs and I think they can run a two back, you know, offense at a pro style. So him kind of starting with that. And again, emphasizing that, I think that only kind of, he was only alluding to that, that that's going to play, a, you know, a, a factor in this offense. Then he went into, you know, how he got into some of the RPO type looks. I think that's another type of, you know, we're going to see more RPO type plays at Notre Dame's offense. And then, you know, that he mentioned the West Coast offense and being able to be so hands-on with the tight ends. Well, again, Notre Dame has good tight ends, and he needs to know how to utilize his tight ends, you know, with within this offense. So to me, when he was discussing his background, he was kind of piecing together, you know, how – how the offense is going to look and the experience that he has at different places. That's going to contribute to how this offense is overall going to be pieced together.
1: Yeah. I think that all that makes sense. And you know, like when I initially heard it, I was like, Oh boy, you know, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of tentacles, you know, like going back to what we were just talking about, like, you know, you've got a little from here and a little from there. And, you know, Tommy Reese was doing that as well. And, you know, again, then all of a sudden the playbook starts doubling (laughs) in size, you know, it gets thicker. But then, you know, you go back, re-listening to some of the comments and going back to, again, the one that we were just talking about, how, hey, we'll eliminate plays. If it's, you know, if we, if we don't need it, if it's not working, we'll eliminate it, move on and focus more, continue to focus on playing to the strengths of what we have, finding stuff that works for them, you know. So, I think that it's good that he's got a diverse background. I think that that diversity can only help you because you don't come from just one school of thought. you've got all these you know different offensive styles that you just rattled through in his background. so I think it's nothing but good. you can definitely incorporate pieces of those in whatever you're going to do, but you still want to have kind of that you know that that staple uh you know what you're best at kind of thing so. It's all kind of a work in progress. You know, that's it's it's all, you know, just just sort of very up in the air right now.
2: Yeah. And unfortunately, until we see, you know, things at spring practice, that's just it's all going to be kind of speculation. You know, we're not going to see a lot of it from, you know, this is we got a lot of information now. And unfortunately, we probably won't see much of that come to fruition, you know, for a couple months at least. Yeah. So, the
1: next thing that he talked about or you know that that we're going to talk about that he was asked about strengths of his offensive personnel because he has obviously been here for a year. He's got to be around these guys, even if he was a position coach. He was there all season, so he's he's familiar with what he is inheriting with this personnel,
3: what Freeman said, you want to again show respect to what we did last year and to Tommy's job. The, the thing that we know we are built in is we want to be built O-line driven, and we're going to be built from inside out. With what we have returning up front and with our running backs and tight ends to be able to control a box, that's where it always has to start. Will we continue to find ways to attack people on the perimeter or deal with hat counts when they may be outnumbered, so to speak? Of course we will. Um, the growth of our wide receivers and all those things are going to be critical to us this spring, this summer, and getting into fall. Because we want to, like, there's no secret, no matter who it is, and I'll say the same thing in year two, like we want to score more points than we did last year. And next year we're going to want to score more points than we did last year. And so that's the deal. And I think, too, like one thing I want to make sure to say before my time's done here, Doward to grow, so we can do things better week one to week two, three to four, so on and so forth.
1: All right, so again, a lot of good stuff there. You know, O-line driven. They want to be built, you know, as an O-line driven program. That's something that we've heard from Marcus Freeman on down. I think that regardless of who he was going to hire as offensive coordinator, that was going to be, you know, a, a, a definite, you know, a uh, a must have so attack on the perimeter and deal with hat counts when outnumbered i you know my that's one that kind of perked my ears up when i heard that w- what did you think of that part of it jess
2: yeah so it to me what it, <laughs> what it what it sounded like and again this is kind of goes back to the kind of overall philosophical philosophical approach that I think Marcus... Philosophical? Freeman, philosophical approach that Marcus Freeman wants to take. We'll forgive you because of your illness. You're you're, you're having English problems today. Correct. <laughs> um, and so I think that aligns, you know, being a strong offensive line, offensive line unit, tight ends, running backs, that goes to what Marcus Freeman was saying. They want to be a run first team and then kind of expand out to the perimeter as the game opens up because the run game only allows you Uh, to open up, you know, other aspects of your offense is what we talked about last year. They should start with the run and be able to build their passing game off of that play action. You get safeties taking a step forward, linebackers are getting, you know, taking a step forward. And at that point, once you see that, you know, you're kind of outnumbered in the box, that's when you start working your way out to the perimeter and allowing your run game to open up the rest of the game for you. You get a lot of one-on-one coverages, you know, and that, that sort of thing. And so when you're packing it in with running backs and tight ends, you're going to be able to open up the game naturally as it progresses on the perimeter because teams are going to have to respect you by putting more numbers in the box. And then once you start to get outnumbered, that's when you start to look outside of the box and see what you can do. But I've I've always believed that this team, with what they have right now, personnel, that they should be able to build their entire game plan off of being able to run the ball. And they have to be able to run the ball before they can really do anything else.
1: Yeah, and they can, as we've talked about a lot, they can be multidimensional dimensional With the running backs, you you can have multiple running backs on the field and you can attack the perimeter with them. I think that's something that you diagrammed last week in in one of your whiteboards. And we're going to get to uh, some more whiteboard uh, here in in, uh, just a minute. So I, I think it's very exciting because all these guys coming out of the backfield have the ability to catch the ball. You know that they've got good tight ends. We know they've got really good young receivers And again, going back to what we were just talking about with with maybe, you know, kind of not insisting on having a thicker playbook, but doing, you know, having concepts that allow your players to play fast. I think that, you know, and I forgot to mention this with with that, that allows those young receivers to potentially, you know, what's everyone been wanting for the last few years when you've got some of these hot shot young receivers as freshmen you know, like Tobias Merriweather last year, and you go on, you know, even before that, there's there's been plenty of them. Like, how do you get these guys on the on the field sooner? We, you know, we've all been saying there's gotta be a way to get these talented young guys on the field sooner. And by doing that, I think that allows that. And that's also, you know, again, like allowing them to use those those young, athletic, fast, dynamic type players, attack the perimeter, attack downfield do all that stuff. So I'm, I'm really getting kind of more excited, you know, to see what this all looks like when it's all said. And that again, you know, I don't know how much uh, we'll even get to see in the spring. We'll probably get to see bits and pieces. My guess is not very much since it is going to be a new offensive system and they're not going to want, you know, anyone to see it, even though, you know, like you open with Navy and Tennessee state, and, you know, by the time, by the time those games, you know, it's like you shouldn't have to worry about those games, one. And two, by the time you play those games, everyone else is going to see it anyway. So I don't know, you know, how much you're you're gaining by keeping things secret. But at the same time, I just – I doubt we're going to see a ton in the spring.
2: Yeah, and I, I think the thing that I'm most, forward, most looking forward to is this constant, you know, emphasis on the word enhance. And I think the reason why that has me so kind of excited – is because last year it felt like Notre Dame specifically, you know, Tommy Reese is a play designer, play caller, didn't really do things that could enhance their skills or, or what they, the talent they have to its maximum. Like we, we kept saying that these running backs need to be involved more in the passing game or, you know, getting your, your guys on the perimeter um, with speed a little bit more. And it felt like if if Jared Parker is really about enhancing, we will see more of that stuff. This year, we'll see more of that stuff kind of incorporated, at least in my opinion. Yeah, he
1: said he wants players to feel the trust. So as as someone who's played yourself, what does that look like? What does that feel like to you? What does that mean to you when you hear that?
2: I think what that necessarily means is, you know, like for a running back on third and one and you know that you need to get the one yard, that's letting your running back get the ball and get the one yard there. You know, they're basically saying in a high leverage situation, big moment, we trust you. So trust us when we call this play, essentially, you know, like we're going to have your back, but we need you to trust that in order. And and I think trust comes by calling on someone's number in a high leverage situation and saying, Hey, we need this one yard. And I trust that you're going to do it. And, you know, flip it side of the coin is, you know, maybe defensively you call a stunt for a defensive lineman or a linebacker to get free and in that situation, your, your coach is basically saying, we trust you to get home, you know, and 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 basically get the sack or get the pressure in order to force a play to go bad. So to me, that's what trust kind of looks like is getting your number called in a high leverage situation and being able to execute it when you're when you're called upon. Yeah.
1: Super chat from David Knight before we break out the whiteboard here in a second. Thank you, David, for the super chat is it more demoralizing to give up a big play or get shoved around and teams move on you at will or both my vote for more demoralizing is to get shoved around and have teams move on you at will versus give it up a big play or two what do you think chess
2: yeah so I would say that the the big play thing is like situational like if you're, you know, third and eight, third and ten, and you give up like a 15, 20-yard completion, that's pretty demoralizing, sure. right? Back-breaking, but overall, like I would say yeah. that a team moving on you at will is more demoralizing. And the perfect example I would have is when I played going against a triple option offense. You knew that every time they were going to get three to four yards and you were going to be in there trying to make the tackle every time. And, you know, you were just hoping that maybe you'd, you'd get them to two or three. But every time it came down to fourth and one, fourth and two, and you knew they were going to go for it, and you knew, you know, most of the time they were still going to get it. So that was more demoralizing to me. Is the constant kind of push throughout the game rather than just kind of one big play.
1: Yeah, I, I would, I would have to agree with that. And it's, it's like, and you know, and Shy Town was saying, don't sleep on Navy, and i mean, you know, you can't sleep on Navy. But Notre Dame, it's, it's a season opener. Notre Dame is going to have better athletes. They're going to have a new head coach this year. You know, you know all that. I get it. I get it. It's still Navy, but it's, it's, it's so frustrating watching that Navy offense once they get rolling, like you're talking about, you know, when they are in a rhythm and it's just like the defense looks like it's on skates. You know, you feel like you can't stop anything. You got to get a push. It's all about, you got it. got to put them behind the chains, get them behind the chains as early as possible to get, to get them off schedule. And it's uh Watching that offense that you used to have to play against, it's tough to do sometimes. So
2: Yeah, sometimes you just hope for a fumble or a negative play to start. Like like you said, you just got to get – your go- whole goal is to get them off schedule for one play. And even then sometimes, like I remember we, we did that and like we would call a timeout and we told our corners, hey, like this is a perfect passing play, even though they pass three times per game. Like look for something here. And, of course, they bid on play action – and get beat so it's like even even when you get a team off schedule and then they they complete something like that I think that's like the the ultimate (laughs) backbreaker I
1: know the exact plays you're talking about when you bring that up (laughs) all right Jess so you heard a lot about Jared Parker's offensive philosophy and we've got a pretty good idea what the strength of Notre Dame's personnel is going to be so it's time to whip out that whiteboard right now Draw us up a personnel set and a formation or two that you could see being a staple of the Jared Parker offense. And let me,
2: uh, let me, is your screen, are you ready to go there? I believe so. All right, do it. So um this is, I, I think what I'm going to do is because, you know, Parker talked a lot about Notre Dame's strengths being the offensive line tight ends, two backs, or, you know, their running backs, and then that the game would kind of evolve to the perimeter. Well, I think this is a great kind of set that Notre Dame could start in. 22 personnel, two tight ends, two running backs. That is something that we could see that offers a lot of diversity in what you can do out of just kind of one play set. And he talks about that, like being able to come to the line and have multiple looks ready, you know, based off of one formation. So this is kind of stuff that I've I've gone into before, kind of not. Uh, but we have you know two two tight ends, one on each side of the formation, left hash, two running backs, um, quarterback and shotgun. And the running backs are on either side of the quarterback, and we have one wide receiver split out to the field side. Excuse me, one second. Okay. So the reason why I like this play is because immediately, you know, say say you've, you've been running the ball pretty good, right? And it, you have right now what what is, you know, nine guys, eight guys in the box potentially. Well, you can immediately kind of motion out one of your running backs to line up, you know, on to the, to the field side with one of the other wide receivers split out. Um, and now you have a good gauge of what, you know, what's going on formationally, what's going on coverage-wise. And now you get a guy to kind of expand out of the box a little bit. So immediately you have – again, you have an idea of coverage and you have an idea of what you can, you know, attack on the perimeter. Uh, And and then another, you know, just kind of simple concept out of this is you take, you know, this running back that's kind of, you know, I would say not a downfield pass catcher, but can, you know, catch things out of the backfield, maybe someone like Tyree, and you simply just bubble him, you know, bubble him out to the field side and let your other wide receiver clear it out. And now you have a one-on-one matchup you know, potentially with a linebacker or a safety that's walked down, and you would take your you know extension of the run game. Essentially, is what they is what a lot of people call it. So you can flip it out to your running back, get one on one quickly with someone, and just let your you know let your athlete go against another athlete in open space. Yeah, I so like it. Good. And and by the way, you know
1: I, I was sitting here looking at who you you know your personnel you've got on the field. This is a twenty two personnel package, not just twenty one, but we've gone. 22, both two tight ends and two running backs and one wide receiver on the field.
2: Right. And I, again, I think that just plays to Notre Dame's you know, strengths right now, tight ends <laughs> and running backs. So again, another reason why I like this formation is because you can do a lot of different things out of it. So I will go into, again, another play here. So say on, on this play, you get into more of like an RPO look, right? Um, again, 22 personnel, tight ends on e- either side, ball on the left hash, two running backs, one on each side of the quarterback. Immediately, you can allow your tight end to kind of free release, kind of up the numbers. That's going to, you know, take a defensive back with them. And immediately you can look at letting this running back be a lead blocker and and, and Hartman can easily hand this ball off. And now, you you know, you're, you're basically just racing to the edge here and letting your running back kind of, you know, seal off this linebacker. Or, and and as your tight end is kind of taking this DB down the field and then, you know, say say that the, the Hartman doesn't get the look that he likes, he can easily pull this ball out. And now this running back can leak into the flat over here. Um, and since the tight end is cleared out, you know, maybe this corner or, or safety or whatever it might be. Now you have your running back again in the flat with a with a linebacker that's got to quickly, you know, diagnose run pass and then cover a running back one on one the flat. Very simple play. Very simple RPO look. But it works because Notre Dame, You have to respect Notre Dame's threat, you know, to, to throw the ball to their tight ends and to also run the ball at the same time. And it, again, it gets a running back open one on one with a linebacker in space. And I'll take those odds against most of the teams that Notre going to play this season.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And I, and I think that like when you talk about adding more RPOs and Jared Parker talking about trying to adjust to how many, you know. Like if the other team has a, a hat on hat advantage, you know, like hats in the box and all that kind of stuff. I think that the use of RPOs is something that can can help Notre Dame overcome that disadvantage. You know, like if if they load up, if the defense loads up, I think that that you know that can play into Notre Dame's favor. And again, it's it's why like seeing so few RPOs over the last couple of years really got frustrating when you would see teams load up the way they did against Notre Dame's offense
2: so yeah that's that's and then you know say say you want to get out of kind of the double there's you know comment in the chats about you know it's hard to it's it's not it's not easy to watch Notre Dame lineup and with so many tight ends and you know I get that but unfortunately Anthony's
1: saying you got to get three to four wideouts in the formation to
2: open up that's just not who I, I, I just don't think that that's who Marcus Freeman is going to be with his offense. And, and if he, he talks about wanting to run the ball, you know, with authority and power and that sort of thing. And that's, that gets accomplished with using, you know, multiple tight ends. And until so Notre Dame can develop, you know, their wide receivers and kind of get back, you know, on the cutting edge of that, they have to use what they're good at. And that's using a lot of their tight ends and running backs within sets, because that's, what's going to work with them until their wide receivers can prove, you know, that, that they can be those guys. And again, this is, this is stuff that I think very limited on what they're going to get into. I think that you'll see them get into, you know, some sets where they do split it out. And instead of, you know, two tight ends tight, you have, maybe you split out a, a, a different, you know, wide receiver and play with, you know, maybe just straight 21 personnel. Or, but I, I just think that you're always going to see a tight end on the field in some fashion. And again, that goes back to Notre Dame being good. With tight ends and Marcus Truman wanting to, to establish the physicality and run the ball it's only a kick a jump a block it's only a serve it's only a tackle a run it's only for the fans after all it's only pressure you got this Adidas
1: Michael, you know, I don't completely disagree with sort of the philosophy behind what Michael's saying. If if they pack the box, you go four wide as well. You know, with the back, and that's true. I don't see them going with four wide receivers very often. I because of what you're saying, you know, because one of all the running backs you have and the ability of the running backs to catch passes, you know, like in formationally, you can move those guys around to help you manipulate the box as well. I'm not saying they'll never go with four wide receivers. I don't think it's going, you know, maybe it happens as the season progresses, as they get some more confidence in some of these young guys. But, you know, for right now, for this season, especially those receivers are still going to be a little bit of a question mark until they prove themselves. You know, that's and all all of the other guys, the running backs and the tight ends, excuse me, obviously you're losing the best and most experienced tight end in program history. But at the same time, You have other tight ends with a lot of experience. So I I think that they'll be leaned on early. You know, I don't know that they'll necessarily, you know, like you'll see, you know, two attached tight ends (laughs) the way you've got them and two running backs. You know, that's packing it in quite a bit with that 22. But, you know, I think that you can move those guys around and do some different things with them as well.
2: Yeah. And I saw another comment that was, you know, um, basically, you know, they, they need to take more shots against cover one. And I think that's what you'll see as the game kind of progresses again, I think that to start off, you'll see kind of a slow grind of running the ball, RPOs, getting teams to honor you, especially in the box. And then they'll start to, you know, that a way to beat cover one is, is just simply to get a step. And I think that running the ball and getting those guys to commit to that sort of style of offense is only going to open up the shots as the game goes on. Cause I agree. They do need to take more shots, but they need to be more, you know, calculated and, and allow things to kind of build off of each other. And I think that's what you're going to see is a lot of plays that build off of each other and eventually open up, you know, other plays as the game goes on.
1: Yep. I agree. All right. Do you have anything else or is, is that it for the whiteboard presentation tonight? That
2: was, that was it. I was keeping it real, real simple, 22 personnel and just the different things that you can accomplish, you know, using your backs to identify coverage, using, your tight ends to, to get, you know, to outnumber guys in the box. And then once you, once you realize that you're, you know, maybe outnumbered in the box, kind of flexing guys out and getting more guys open in space. And I think that's, again, what we're going to see a lot of is enhancing what their guys can do best and what they, you know, what they were able to do last year. Yeah. Let
1: me see. Uh, another comment here from Jared Parker, good whiteboard stuff as always tonight, Jesse. But uh, I asked him, you know, if, if, with all this offense that we've talked about and all that we've heard at the press conference yesterday, if you had to to open up spring practice tomorrow, what would that look like for you? Would you be ready to go? And here's what he said to that.
3: Yeah, if we dialed one up tomorrow, I'd probably be in there a little bit late tonight in the Goog. But uh, we'd get it done. The beauty is is our guys are – I mean, this, this place, these guys, how they study – and being able to overcome a huge hurdle, which is, you know, half the battle is lining up, being able to strike a cadence, get the ball snapped, and everybody know what to do and line up. We can do that right now. What we decide to add or subtract is going to be fun to do. Um, so to really answer your question, if we did it, we'd be able to get the job done. Um, I probably wouldn't sleep much, but our guys would have confidence to be able to go out there and line up and base formations and do some things, and that is going to help this transition be um, somewhat smooth.
1: You know, again, Jess, we've talked a lot about the offense here today. And, you know, Marcus Freeman said yesterday that, uh, you know, this is going to be Parker's offense. It's not going to be Tommy Reese's offense. And so what? what is hearing that response there from Jared Parker say to you?
2: You know, it, to me, it sounds like a guy who's who's got a plan. And, and realistically, kind of, if I'm being honest, Kind of probably sat back and learned a lot of things from, you know, being under Tommy Reese. And it's really a good experience for someone like Parker because it's like experimental. He gets to see, you know, the things that work and he gets to basically keep mental notes. He talked about, you know, keeping notes in his phone and that's kind of where he keeps all of his thoughts and everything. So it's like, you know, he had to keep a list of, okay, this is things that I really like. This is what I would add to make it better. These are the things that maybe don't work. We should strike this and never come back to it. And again, I think that comes back to condensing the playbook and enhancing what they're good at. And I I know for a fact, and he talked about, you know, the the ability to kind of communicate with Tommy Reese during the game and bounce ideas off of him and say, hey, like, this is what, you know, maybe we should look at in this situation and getting that feedback of, you know, no, I don't like that. Or, yeah, that's a good idea. Again, it it just sounds like Jared Parker was able to uh, accumulate all these kind of mental notes Um, And and really put together a lot of the things that he liked from Tommy Reese and and the ways, you know, the things that he would do to make it better. And then together, that's the Jared Parker offense. So I don't think that you'll necessarily, you know, it's not Tommy Reese's offenses, but you'll you'll see things, similar tendencies and things that might have come from the offense. But it's not going to be solely Tommy Reese's offense. It's going to be, again, an enhanced Tommy Reese offense, in my opinion. Yeah, and
1: you know, like Sean Kelly's saying, love how he stated how he wants to do what the kids are going to be good at, not complicate things and excel and expand what the kids are good at. And Michael's, you know, he said it'd be huge for the wide receiver room. Michael said, you know, sounds like the same playbook, but with Jared Parker notes. I think that there will be you know, because again, at the core of this thing, Marcus Freeman wants it to be an O line driven offense, a pro style offense, which is obviously what they're coming out of. It's still going to have some tight end focus and, and and all those different kinds of elements. But I think, you know, like hearing Jared Parker say that, it's like he knows what the base is, but he doesn't have his playbook ready to go yet because I think a lot of it is going to have to do with the exact personnel that he has and what they're able to learn, what they're able to I think, like reading between the lines a little bit, listening to all these comments about the offense, I think that the spring will be somewhat experimental because he's going to be sort of finding out what these guys are good at because now you have another quarterback to add to the mix as well. And you've got, I think it's a good thing that these young, you've got some of these young receivers here who can you know, be a part of that as well during the spring and, and you can start to find out about them. And of course you have Tobias Merriweather and it's almost like a, you know, a fresh start for him between the fact you get a new offensive coordinator and a new quarterback potentially, and and all that stuff. So I, I think it's, I think you know, again, I don't know what exactly we're going to get to see, but it's it's kind of exciting to, you know, to think about it because I think we all kind of felt like it grew stale, you know, with with what we were seeing offensively over the last few years, and it's going to be different. I think it's going to be uh, there. There will be some similarities but I do think it's going to be different for sure. If you were hired as a defensive coordinator tomorrow, Jesse, how quickly could you put your defense together to
2: run on the field and practice? Uh, like, like Jared Parker said, it, it would require a long night, but I would, uh, I would get it done. You'd have something ready to go. Huh? We'd have something ready. We'd have basic install ready for tomorrow. Um, but yeah, it, you know, it, it, <laughs> it would be some long hours, but to, to say that, you know, practice tomorrow, ready to go. Like, yeah it, it would be a lot but it'd be a lot of fun at the same time i think
1: well yeah salty fresh start for Merriweather. i mean the the fact that he you know he was getting on the field and he would have been on the field more if not for the concussion so i think it's a fresh start in that you know what whatever might have been holding him back that barrier could potentially be gone now you know if, if you want to look at it as him being held back again i think it's going to be I think I think I think it's a relative fresh start for
2: everybody offensively because you got a new guy at the top now. So well, yeah, you have a new guy that's gonna make this the this ultimate personnel groupings. Like you gotta those that's only an advantage when a new coordinator comes in is everyone gets a, a fresh clean start. You, you you're kind of proving to this coordinator how you fit in their system and you know, basically all the things that come with it.